Hello, hello. Welcome to the End Evil Podcast. This is Chris Jansen. The End Evil Podcast is dedicated to bringing truth to the listeners and to ending evil whenever and wherever possible. The End Evil Podcast was structured and inspired by a book called The End of Evil, End of All Evil by Jeremy Locke, which is a short read. And it's a great book and I recommend it highly. Today I have with me a special guest. Someone I met in the content creator field, and we actually had the pleasure of working together on some freelancing projects, which was pretty exciting. And I love um, Alexander Raskovitz's uh, work, and you can check out Realization. His YouTube channel has quite a few viewers. I'm going to pop Alexander in here and uh, welcome him to the End Evil podcast. Thanks so much uh, for joining me today, Alexander. Appreciate, appreciate you coming. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you so much, Chris. It's an honor. <laughs> yeah, I've been um, enjoying your work for some time and appreciated the opportunity to meet you. And when we start discussing things, I find that we have very similar ways of thinking about these things. And I, I would love to hear your opinions today and your uh, wonderful tools of logic and discussion. And uh, yeah, thanks. And also, um. For listeners, Alexander comes from the Netherlands, so we're working with two different time zones. So um, thanks again, Alexander, for uh, making the time work. Oh, you're Chris, you're probably uh, early up than me, so uh, I have to give that to you, uh, brother. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like um, what has always intrigued me in life is kind of the uh, approach of epistemology, and that sounds like a very very uh, yeah extra uh, extravagant term like what uh, it's basically like how do you understand something how do you know what you know and that's where i kind of found way the way of the scientific approach the scientific method and um there are basically two ways to inherit information and one is where you're being told it and you take it at face value. You take, you basically take it on faith. And the other way is where you're being told how something is figured out. You're being told how the conclusion is made. And based on that information, you can verify it. And from there, you can determine the reproducibility, replicability, and ultimately the accuracy of the relevant information. And to simplify, it's basically the difference between believing that something is true and truly understanding that something is ultimately true or not. And that is the basis of epistemology. How do you understand something? How do you know something to be true and accurate? And this is pretty much where it started for me when I was still, you know, receiving the uh, common curriculum of the vested education system <laughs> and um, basically what it was all about is all you're being taught is here's the things we know and we're not going to tell you how we know this and why we know this you have to take it on faith and regurgitate it if you want to have a good grade you're not learning how to make your own conclusion based on evidence and logic you're being taught what your conclusion should be because us, the so-called authorities, said so. So when we apply the base question of epistemology, which is, how do you know what you know? 
most people go like, well, that guy told me or that, that my teacher told me when I was younger or I read it in some book. Well, that tells you how good you are at deferring to someone or something else, but it doesn't tell you that you truly understand why it is the way, why it is that way or why it can be anything other than that. So there is no logical build up to your uh, understanding of the, of the of the subject at hand. It is having knowledge, but you know, not necessarily understanding the knowledge that you claim to comprehend. And most of us, are, most of us already understand this. This is basically, you know, like the definition of indoctrination. To to indoctrinate is to repeat an idea or belief uh, to someone until they accept it without criticism or question. And the reason why that's important, Chris, is because. When people start to become critical of one source of information, they will usually apply the same mechanism of deference to another source of information. And this surely is going to trigger a bunch of people. And what I'm talking about is how people still don't understand what they think they know. And that's why most people who, quote unquote, wake up, start to hesitate and say things like, well, I don't know what to believe anymore. They say, you know, that part, that, that faction says this and the other faction says the other thing. And, you know, that's, that's when people usually gravitate towards epistemic nihilism, which is, well, everybody has their own truth and truth itself can never be known. <laughs> this is something you frequently hear in the so-called truth and freedom community lately. And that's what I've kind of, you know, digged a little, a little deeper into. To understand well what might be the basis for that and right because you've never been taught to distinguish reality from falsehood um you know starting from what you know and juxtaposing that to the unrealities and you know all you've basically been taught is to base what you know uh on what somebody else tells you so when people stop taking information from the vested media or mainstream media, as it's commonly referred to, at face value, they will now defer to independent media, independent sources of media, you know, commonly known as the alternative media. So when when um, when they now firmly believe, for instance, that. Uh, government is inherently illegitimate, for instance. Well, how do you know that government is inherently illegitimate? Well, because they heard someone say, it, well, they, they, they hear someone say it in a very frantic manner. But then someone comes along and says, well, what about, what about the roads or something? <laughs> you know, kind of ridiculous arguments people give. And then people go like, oh, well, kind of, that's, that's why we need government then. And um, I because see they... a little cat in your background there, Alexander. <laughs> yeah, little, uh, your little conscience on your shoulder there, checking in with us. No, yeah, I, exactly. I love the way that you reason and put together your thoughts. In um, I've really appreciated that in your videos, and I like the way you're approaching this topic. And I think uh, one thing that uh, you know I mentioned in our discussion before we began this is I remember being young and asking questions. And I think at a certain point, many people are trained in our society through various 
methods of indoctrination of our culture, um, whether religion or school or all the other things to stop asking why. But what we're trying to do is go back to that young child self and ask those questions. Why? And keep asking why. So I think one thing we can do in this discussion is I'd be willing to play a little bit of devil's advocate with you and kind of play that role as someone who doesn't necessarily know all those answers because you've come up with some really good ways of asking these questions and building a foundation for people on what are we actually talking about? What is evil? You know, because that's kind of one of the thrusts of my show has always been attacking that base question. What is good? What is evil? And that's like what you're talking about, epistemology. What are we even, how are we even thinking about these things? Because so many of these things are normally thought about only in the context of religion or only in the context of a political government way of thinking, authoritarian thinking. So um, start us from the beginning, Alexander. How should we even understand anything at all? And how do we build a foundation to have this discussion so we're talking about the same thing with our listeners? So, yeah, like when I was uh, talking about like the foundation for why uh, political authority or governments in in general are inherently illegitimate, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, trying to convince people of something that, you know, trying to convince people of the of the fact that government is inherently illegitimate. It is, it, it is, the way that I approach these things is by actually, you know, trying to show people that there is an actual void. There is a, a lack of a foundation for why people believe in the so-called authority that is vested in that is vested in man, and um, so when I uh, this is kind of a, an approach that I've learned from uh, Larkin Rose, and which is what he commonly refers to as the candles in the dark method, which is kind of like um, I, I kind of love the way that he approached this this way of exploring these these psychological foundations of why. Uh, why people, you know, choose to believe and cling on to something that they don't even know actually conflicts with their own moral conscience, if that makes sense. So um, I could go through uh, some various questions with you, kind of to explore where that uh, anom- where those anomalies are actually, uh, where those anomalies fit in, and how to discover them, how to how to discover that conflict that people have inherently within them and people who believe in uh, government's authority and what have you not. And, um, uh, excuse me. And uh, also to discover like, where is the, the, discover the presence of that void, if you will. So let's start with something very basic, Chris. Um, Would it be okay for me to take your money by force or steal from you? Well, no, it wouldn't be okay with me. <laughs> uh, you would definitely meet some aggression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would perfectly, yeah, I totally agree. I would say that that's patently wrong to take someone else's money without their consent. And uh, yeah, you you would be perfectly justified in uh, <laughs> forcibly defending yourself against me for, for attempting to do so. Now, what if I would like to fund an education system, for instance? Let's just use that as the as a random example. And what if I don't have enough money to manifest 
the education system that I want. And suppose you have the money for it. You have the adequate adequate amounts of you have adequate excuse me adequate amounts of resources to be able to fund the uh, education system that I want to manifest. So should you have the choice to contribute voluntarily? And if you didn't want to, should you also have the choice to not uh, not to donate? So basically, should you be able to decide for yourself what you spend your own resources on? Well, you know, I'm feeling pretty generous now that I'm so rich that I'll go ahead and fund <laughs> your school since you're asking, you know. But were you um, telling me I had to give you the money by force? I would I would say no. I don't have to give it to you just because I have it, just because I'm more wealthy or I have the resources and you don't. There's no um, rule that says I have to give it to you. No, if you took it from me, that'd be stealing just like just like taking anything from someone, right? Exactly, and I perfectly agree. That's uh, basically like, so, you know, you, you do agree then that you should be able to decide for yourself what you spend your own resources on. As they are your own, as they, as they are your own resources. Mm -hmm. I agree. Now, you know, I think you should be, you should always have the ability to decide, to decide for yourself whether to spend your money on the endeavor I propose or not to spend your money on it because it's your property and not mine. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so I perfectly agree. So what did, once again, like, I don't think, um, what if you um what if you were the one that uh, was organizing a fundraiser to help the poor for instance and uh, asked me if I would like to donate should I be allowed to voluntarily decide for myself whether I should donate or should I be forced to or should I be forced to donate under the threat of violence well to me a donation implies that it that it is you know coming vol- voluntarily if someone um, said you had to donate, it really wouldn't be much of a donation. It would be uh, more like, what do you call it? Forced extortion. Extortion, right? It would be, you know, another form of stealing, a fancy form of stealing. Right. So, um, yeah. You, so should you, should I be allowed to voluntarily decide for myself then? Or should I be forced to... Give give my money to the to the endeavor that you so choose to fund. Well, I could see if you were really wealthy and you were being a stubborn miser, and I was your friend or your relative, I might urge you in what I think is the right direction is you should do something good with your money. But it is still your property, and just because I disagreed with you wouldn't give me the right to make you do it or force you to give that money away. That would be wrong of me to think that I could do such a thing. I agree. That's very nice of you, by the way. <laughs> I'm generous. Like I said, I'm a millionaire now. In our <laughs> yeah, great. Um, you know, would you agree that uh, it's still theft, even if it's for a good cause? To uh, f- yeah, yes. go ahead. Right. Like if you're taking it by force, you know, it. it's still evil. Like if you... Um, ripped off a rich person and gave it to a church, would that make it okay, I guess is what you're asking? I mean, I think some <laughs> people might argue that, you know, from that Robin Hood point of view, that that is okay at a certain point. But I would still argue that, um, from my point of view, principles are inherently um, right. And it's one thing if 
somebody had stolen the money from you in the first place and you were stealing it back. And that was kind of the Robin Hood scenario, right? Where, where, where you were able to justify it a little bit because it was the, the prince or the king was going around stealing the money from all the townspeople. And then Robin Hood is, is stopping them on the road and stealing the money back. And that's kind of where I think some of us get a little mixed up on that one. Where, okay, if you were taking your own money back, that wouldn't be stealing. That would be reclaiming your property, right? But if you were just stealing from someone because you knew they were a bad person or you didn't like them, you're still stealing, right? <laughs> I mean, that could get a little exactly. tricky there, though, right? Yeah, well, kind of just to, you know, stay in line with like um these just the simplicity of these questions like if it's wrong you know just just you know like how how would you how would you um how would you basically just answer such a question like is it still theft even if it's for a good cause i would say it's still it's still it's still theft Unless, so, like I'm saying, it was my own money and I was taking it back. I, perf- I, I perfectly agree. Yeah, that's that's. Well, I'm playing uh, the devil's advocate, so I'm trying to make it a little tricky. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. But um, yeah, because kind of everybody has their own priorities, and what's important to some individuals may be less important to other uh, to other individuals. Some people may not be convinced that a proposed program would be capable of achieving. The stated goal, some people prefer a different way of doing things. So, you know, there has to be some sort of consistency there. There has to be some sort of standard where wrong behavior is always wrong to commit, even if you think it's okay and that the ends justify the means. And that's what I was getting to with that question, because, you know, it just works out better for you in that scenario. And, um, well, let's say that now, what if it's um what 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 if it's let's say that um to get just to get back to my education system that I wanted to fund what if I decided to force you to fund my education system because I think it's extremely necessary and I because I want my children to have the best education possible and what if it, what if I wasn't the only one that wanted to have uh, wanted to fund that edu- wanted to steal from you, Chris, in order to fund our education system? What if it was myself and ten others who wanted to force you to fund our education system under the threat of violence? Would it be okay for us to take your money by force now? Well, now you guys are like a gang, an education <laughs> gang, and I definitely don't think it's okay. <laughs> To give my money to you and and absolutely no one not you or 10 people have the right to steal from me you know if we're defining this as stealing that's that's by force that's what you're saying by by the threat of violence if you're trying to get something from me and you're going to do it by threat of violence it's always going to be wrong even if you have good intentions with that money i agree perfect now um what if it wasn't just 10 of us but what if there were hundreds of us or you know let's say millions of people that also wanted to steal your money and we were all of the opinion that it was okay to steal your money to fund whatever we wish to fund and that it was okay to do violence unto you if you didn't let us take your money by force 
Would the increase of the amount of people that want to rob you make it right for us to steal from you? I don't think the number of people can possibly ever that think a thing can make a thing right or wrong. You know, there could be any number of people having a wrong thought and agreeing on that wrong thought. I mean, you look in history and wars were fought because a bunch of people agreed with the terrible idea. So I would say, no, it doesn't matter how many people you get on the same page with you. If you're trying to take my money by force without my permission, it's still wrong. And you're making a bad choice to try and do that. Even if you have the backing of um, however many people. And that's where it gets tricky, I think, for a lot of people. I agree. I would I would also say that it's still wrong. Numbers don't alter morality, and wrong behavior remains wrong behavior regardless of how many people want it to be right. So right stays right regardless of numbers. I wholeheartedly agree with you there. Now, is there any means by which any number of individuals can delegate or give away the moral right to do something that none of the individuals have the moral right to do themselves. So if I don't have the right to steal, is it possible for me to give someone else that right? So, um, yeah, if, 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 uh, if I didn't have the right to steal, could I let someone else do it for me in that sense? Well, you can, you know, you certainly can do that. Like you could hire, someone else to hunt me down hold a gun to my head and say hey give this guy the money but that was still your choice to hire that guy which was an immoral choice from my point of view because you know in your head it's not yours to take and it doesn't matter whether it's him taking it or you give him the money for him to take it you're still making that choice to steal from me even if you're you that's like using a lever right if i if i break a window with my hand, it's really no different than me breaking a window with a long metal bar. And that's all that is. If you're hiring somebody else, they're the long metal bar. You're just hiring them to do your dirty work. And what you're doing is stealing from me. That's still dirty work. And it doesn't matter how many people you hire or how many people agree with you. If you're taking something that's <laughs> mine without my permission, then you're stealing from me. That's the way I would put it. Right. So, well, just to, you know, like in terms of rights and in terms of, you know, like consistent for consistency's sake, if I don't have the right to steal, it is not possible to give someone else that right either. Right. I don't see a right as something that can be um, handed from one person to another like we can an object. A right is not an object that can be passed between people or delegated you know, or, uh, you know, our society believes in voting on rights. And I don't think that's a correct way of thinking about it myself. I agree. So I would, yeah, I would say that, you know, you cannot get, you cannot give either, you cannot give someone, you cannot, I agree. Like I would say that that's not possible at all because you cannot give something to someone else you don't even have yourself. When you don't have the right to steal, it is not possible for someone else. It is not possible for you to give away that right to steal uh, when you don't even have it yourself, if that makes sense. <laughs> it and, makes sense. But I do think that's a confusing topic for many people, because if you ask the average person, 
where does a right come from? Um, I think your average American, for instance, thinks their rights come from the Constitution. And I would disagree with that. And I think that is where we really run into a lot of difficult having this conversation with other people when we ask this question, because um, I don't think we're in agreement with most people in terms of where a right comes from, where does a right derive from. So uh, I, hope, I hope that doesn't screw up your line of questioning, but I, I feel like that's where I get into a lot of trouble having this discussion with others and some listeners might struggle with as well. So, you know, once again, this is just a hypothetical. We're not, you know, going into like the intricacies of like constitutions or any of that. We're, we're just, you know, in terms of, you know, like answering this a uh, simple question, like, is it possible for you to delegate a right you don't have yourself? In that sense, like when we're talking about rights in general, in the hypothetical, would you say that it's okay, that, that it's morally that it's even possible or morally right to give away a right that you don't have yourself. Yeah, I don't. I think I don't. I don't think you can give away a right. I don't think you can even really have a right. I think a right is something that just exists or it doesn't. Okay, I agree. Like, think of it like you know, akin to giving someone else the ability to fly when you don't even have that ability yourself. And uh, if if you don't have the ability to fly yourself, how can you give that ability to someone else? <laughs> so now into going into the next question, like what if all of us, the millions of people that want to steal your money uh, in order to fund our goals, decided to have a vote like you just mentioned and that we would all appoint one of us as our official representative and that we all agreed and we're not talking about you, Chris, because you're the one we're trying to, you're the one who we are all trying to extort and rob. Um, we all agreed, the millions of people, the millions of us all agreed that our representative now has the right to steal from you. Would that make it okay for us to steal your money now? It wouldn't be okay with me, and that, that's for sure. And I think it would be a wrong thing to do. You probably could pull it off if you had that many people. But it would be stealing and it would be wrong. I agree. From my point of view and what I think, yes. Yeah, because like I said, you cannot delegate or give away a right you don't have. If it's wrong for me to steal, then it's wrong for anybody else to steal as well. And it's not possible to give someone else the supposed right to steal when I don't have it myself. But um, what if our representative would write down on a piece of paper that he now had the rights to steal from you? And if you didn't let us take your money, then he would have the right to violently assault you, kidnap you, and put you in a cage for several years. Would the act of him writing it down on a piece of paper make it right for him to steal from you now? Absolutely not. In, in fact, I mean, to me, that's even less valid than the other question where we had hundreds or thousands or millions of people agreeing. <laughs> Why would a piece of paper, something written on a piece of paper, be more valid than you know, our mind or a human being's conscience, you know, I'm writing something down doesn't make it right. It just makes it written down. So I would say no. I agree. Uh, that it's, that is still wrong. And if you, if you write down on a piece of paper that it's okay for you to do so, you know, because scribbles on parchment don't alter morality. Nor does technology. 
you know, you can write it on a really fancy piece of paper with a really big <laughs> pen and stamp it with a seal while you're wearing a crown. That still doesn't make it any more right. <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly agree with you there, Chris. Now, let's say that he doesn't call it, you know, he doesn't use these abrasive uh, type of terms like stealing and assaulting anymore, but he decides to give those actions a different name to make it sound less obvious and less direct. Let's say that he now decides to call it taxation and arresting, and he decides to call the piece of pa- uh, the piece of paper on which he wrote down that he has the right to steal from you the law, with the act of changing the names of wrong behavior turn it into right behavior. It wouldn't. It wouldn't for me, and it wouldn't for um, principles, right? But if that guy convinced other people to believe him, in their minds, it, they might think that, but they'd be wrong. You know, from 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 where I'm standing, I think they'd be objectively wrong. I agree because you know, altering the way you say you're going to do something bad unto someone else doesn't change the fact that you're still doing something bad. It's actually worse because now you're manipulating other people to think something that's incorrect by changing the definition. You're you're actually now you're lying and stealing. Exactly. So you're being uh, deceptive. (laughs) Now, let's say that all of us, the millions of people that want to steal your money to fund our goals, decided to give our representative a more officially, yeah, official sounding title, let's say. Let's say that we decide to call him our government from now on. And whenever our representative government steals your money, I mean, taxes you, (laughs) to fund the goals that we wish to manifest, we would call that democracy. Would that finally make it right for us to steal from you now? And would that make it morally justified for us to threaten you, assault you, kidnap you and put you in a cage if you didn't let us take your money and would even go as far as to murder you if you forcibly resisted our attempts to extort you because we expect you to just do as you're told? You know, kindergarten, we we used to be told two wrongs don't make a right. And to me, that's very much applies to what you're saying, because now that we've seen a situation where these people have gotten together, called themselves a government or called themselves a king or called themselves a court or whatever they're calling themselves and writing some things on paper. Now they're telling a bit of a lie, telling me that they're more valuable than I am and that they can manipulate me through lying and justify stealing from me. So they've actually created two wrong things and they're calling them right rather than just doing one wrong thing where, you know, I remember um, who I was really impressed with was um, uh, now I'm going to blank out on his name uh, who wrote the, the highway man, you know, and, and the highway man robs me. He's actually not even as bad as uh, the government because he's he's actually got to go out there and hold the gun and follow me around, and he only robs me once. But you're talking about a group of people who are creating a whole system of robbery that they can repeat and repeat and repeat over and over and keep doing it to me, and that's even worse to me, and that's two wrongs instead of just one. <laughs> Lysander Spooner is who I was trying to think of, the uh, author who wrote uh, The High Right. Right, right. yeah. Spooner. 
So would you so also no. <laughs> simple answer? No, <laughs> that's not right. I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> now, would you agree that your consent should always matter? That um, you should always have the uh, you should always have the ability to decide for yourself what you spend your own resources or money on. As a free human being, yes. I agree. Well. So then at which point did we decide as a species that it was okay to vote for politicians to do the former, do the exact opposite of that in the name of democracy? At which point did we decide that it was okay for a majority to impose its will on a minority by way of violent coercion and thefts brought forth by the politicians or their hired henchmen who they pay to violently coerce and steal in the name of the people they represent. How do we go from stealing and assaulting as wrong, no matter how many people wanted to be right, or whatever they wish to do with the money they stole, to it's not only right for you to do so, but you're morally obligated to do and to choose a politician who's going to impose his will on uh, who's going to impose his will and his version of tax policy on millions of others in order to fund whatever the majority wishes to fund. But then at which point did you decide that a government, a so-called government, can have the right to steal from people in the name of a piece of parchment or because a large amount of people wanted to be so, or the use of incorrect, uh, or, well, to say the correct, the correct terminology to tax people in the name of the law and democracy? Well, I think it's been a gradual process that have that has gone on. I don't think we could find any exact one point in history. But what we do know is that there was a point at which people were um, didn't have much choice. OK, when you grew up somewhere where there was a king, you had to do what the king said. And if you had there were many times in history where there were a church or a religious institution in charge of the land. And if the people didn't go along, they were a heretic and they were either killed or put in the dungeon, right? And then so along comes slavery 2.0, which is our modern version of the same thing. And we're claiming that, like you're saying, that these representatives or these people that are appointed to have these uh, decision-making things can do it. And and all this is doing is uh, tricking people into thinking that we've done away with the old uh, monarchies and oligarchies. And now we're just being ruled by uh, representatives, which, as you're pointing out, it's not possible to um, delegate authority. We can't just give somebody else a right that we don't have ourselves, as we discussed. So um, where did it start? I think it started when people accepted these words as meaning freedom and when people thought that they had freedom and didn't actually look at the deeper situation that freedom doesn't involve um, delegating rights. There's no part of giving away rights or someone else having rights that you don't have in freedom. And so I think it goes back to a long, a long history of not recognizing what freedom really is and allowing um, something to be written down as the rule that everybody has to follow regardless was never a good idea from my point of view. But I think it's really hard to put uh, a finger or point to one specific point in time 
where, you know, there was a specific mistake made that led us to this type of thinking. It's been a gradual kind of boiling frogs. And what makes people think it's great the way we're living now is just because it was so much worse in other times in history. Um, at least that's the line of thinking. I don't know that it necessarily was worse or that we're in a really better situation now, but it feels better because we can decide like, oh, I can drive my car from here to there, or I have all these choices. I can fly anywhere in the world. I can order any kind of food. We do have a lot of options that people haven't had in history, but we've also um, given up our rights. And as we can see in the last two years, three years here since um, the pandemic, that there's people, all kinds of people have come up with all kinds of new crafty ways to uh, wedge their way in on what 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 should be my personal decision such as where I travel, when I travel, and how I handle my own personal health, which I know is a subject you've delved into and done a wonderful job of um, helping people understand. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. What would you say? Is there a specific point where we um, got lost on this topic? Or um, I have a little trouble uh, nailing down exactly where uh, humans went wrong to think that it's okay for an authority to decide what's right. I would say that, you know, answering that question specifically, like finding the answer to that question, you know, <laughs> in a, um, it's actually irrelevant. What I, what I'm trying to get to is voluntarists, people who believe in voluntary interaction and, don't, you know, are not religious in the sense that, you know, you can delegate such rights to so-called so rulers and authorities and that rights should always, you know, that there is no exemption for morality, simply put. So voluntarists are always specific and literal in their terminology, while statists, people who prefer an, an external ruler over who should who should make the decisions over, who should call the shots over everyone's lives. Statists are always using these vague euphemisms to hide from the truth that they're advocating something that is inherently wrong. And a part of them rightfully knows that it's wrong. Regardless of how many people want it to be right, regardless of what you choose to, um, regardless of what you scribble on a piece of paper and what names you give it to make it sound like it's something righteous. And the other parts of them that isn't supposed to be there. And that is the dichotomy between their own moral conscience and the indoctrination they've been taught to accept and regurgitate without question, which has no basis in logic or reason whatsoever as we've established just yet. So now the decision is up to the person himself uh, whether to choose their own moral conscience, to choose consistency and principles, or the ungrounded political mythology they've been taught to believe and regurgitate. And one of them has to go eventually, because you cannot simultaneously believe in two diametrically opposite things. You cannot say, I think people should be free to make their own choices and decide for themselves what they spend their own money on, except for when politicians tell them to do otherwise, in which case I believe people should be forced to hand over their own money for something they might not want to fund and should make 
choices that they might not want to make. And I think it's morally justified to have men with guns go to their house and take them away from their friends and family and put them in a cage for several years for not doing what the politicians want them to do. It is inevitable that one of them has to go because you cannot be that morally and logically inconsistent with yourself. So, yeah. But we have that going on on such a mass scale that it's an incredibly difficult topic to um, deal with with folks and to bridge this gap of understanding. What, what I really hear you saying is justification. You know, that's what we see going on on a mass scale, a justification for doing something that when we discuss it, like we're talking about, like when you ask those questions and go through Socratically, you can't really justify um, any type of stealing. It's always going to be immoral. However, I think the justification that I really get from people when when we get to this point in the discussion where it gets tricky is the fear that there's crazy people out there, that the world is dangerous and we need these government hoodlums or we need these forces in place to keep things fair and just, right? And uh, that's that fear, I think, is what allows people to justify what we're describing as wrong behavior. And so um, what's right and what's wrong and like what we talked about in the very, very beginning of this discussion is what needs to be questioned. And that's where we really need to ask that why question. Why is something right or why is something wrong? Why is something good or why is something evil? And until we build that foundation of understanding, people are going to have a really hard time um, not just justifying doing what needs to be done to make them feel safe and not to feel in the state of fear. Um, so um, where do we go with that? We could go on and on, but uh, I'd like to hear from you. Um, how do we, um, just, what does decide morality? What, what, what is evil? What is good? You know, how do we um, understand these things? Well, just to, you know, briefly touch on what you mentioned there, like some of the, you know, <laughs> A common argument that many people, you know, give when they question like, well, you know, many, you know, people are inherently malicious. Like you said, there are scary people out there that I do not trust and do not know. So, well, so what? what? What is your solution to that? You know, that we should take a small portion of those same malicious <laughs> And nasty people that you do not trust and do not know and give them lots of power and give them the right to make decisions over the lives of all the other people and give them the right to forcibly give them the right to do violence unto all the people who don't dis who don't do as they say, who, who, who disobey them as if, as if that's like a, a, a solid solution to that problem. But. Hey, you tell me. Yeah, um, I mean, do numbers make a thing right? That's kind of like something we discussed earlier. It doesn't make something right just because 100 people or 1,000 people want that or are willing to kill someone over that. That doesn't make it right, you know. So what is right? <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, when you talk about, like, um, e like understanding evil and understanding, like, well, what is evil? And this goes beyond like, we're not talking like in the religious sense, we're talking about just, you know, general, uh, general definition type of evil. 
Uh, excuse me. I, you know, usually like to apply the apophatic inquiry, like the apophatic inquiry step, which is like defining something by defining what it is not. And uh, when you think of it, well, when you think of evil, well, let's describe what the what is the opposite of evil. So, you know, take humanity, for instance, when you start to look at humanity and think like, what is it about humanity that makes humanity actually beautiful and good? It is when people exercise free will and have compassion and love for each other and when they follow their own moral conscience. And the opposite of that is when humanity shuts down its own moral conscience and doesn't use its own that doesn't use its own judgments and free will, but instead chooses to blindly obey someone else in that sense. So that, that that's where you actually go like into a different question. Like now you sort of become a, how, how could I say, like an algorithmic reflection of someone else. You don't use your own judgment. You don't uh, rely on your own discretion and your own, um, uh, your own moral conscience to make it, to make your own decisions. You defer to someone else to make those decisions for you. Kind of like w when we started, you, do, you don't make your own conclusions based on logic and reason. You defer to someone else to make those conclusions for you. Well, what does that make you ultimately? Does that make you a human being or does that make you a robot? That is, just, yeah, or does that make you some sort of algorithmic reflection, <laughs> an, an automaton, if you will? And are you even, you know, not even, a, barely even applying the very principles that actually make you human? And are human beings really better off as a bunch of algorithmic reflections, if you will, and robots of other people who attempt to attain power and control over others? Which is when we're going to talk about that, which is what we, when we're talking about governments and political authority and all of that, you know, and people who try to attain power and control over other people, they usually aren't the greatest and brightest and the most honest people on earth, as we've seen with almost every politician. And, you know, having to act according to what those people want them to act like and answer in the way that those people want them to answer and have them disregard their own conscience in favor of the whims of politicians well or would humanity be better off following their following its own moral conscience you tell me well we kind of seen the results of people just shutting off their own moral conscience shutting off their own judgments shutting off their own free will and deferring to some external authority figure Who's going to lead people astray and go is going to make people make bad decisions, which ultimately will have bad results, which are going to have an influence on the lives of other people. But is that really because of human nature or because hum humanity has left a part of human nature behind and has instead adopted a way of making decisions that isn't even part of humanity, if you will, but mm. is more, you know, mechanic and robotic and <laughs> is, is artificial in that sense. Artificial. That's funny because true life is art. It is art. 
you know, artistic. It's creation. And what's really neat about life and reality is it's it, in some ways it's simple, but in in many ways it's very complex. There's so many nuances. And every day we have this experience where any number of things can happen in any number of different flavors and colors and varieties. And so every situation provides for a different, let's call it gray area of moral decision making. And, and I think what people seek often is a simple solution to problems because problems get complex. You know, like you described, what about when a hundred people agree on something and they all think they're right and one person disagrees? Does that make the one person wrong? Well, in many cases, it seems that way. You know, um, if we were seeing a robbery, for instance, and a hundred people saw the same thing and one person saw something different, we would be inclined to go with what a hundred people say they saw. But that doesn't mean that the hundred people can't be incorrect. And that's where things get tricky. And that's where things can't always be defined by a formula. And I think that's what laws, man-made rules try to do is they try to formulize like an algebraic equation, morality into something like you're saying, that's very computer-like, where we can just program the answer and pop, we're going to get it out. But the truth of reality is that's nuanced and every situation is different. And there are going to be different gray areas in how right or wrong something is depending on the situational context of how, where, when, and who it happens to. And that's why we have this amazing technology given us to us by the divine universe of the ability to discern between right and wrong. And we each have within us a moral compass. And I think people have just not been used to using that, not exercising that weight of their little, um, what's the Disney movie, little uh, character on the shoulder, like I was teasing you about your cat, right? Yeah. We, our consciousness, our ability to discern right and wrong needs to be developed and used, and we need to exercise that will. That's part of why we're here, <laughs> in my opinion. I'm curious to see how that little uh, talk I just gave um, influences your kind of concluding remarks to this discussion on the source of evil. Yeah, well... That's kind of, you've kind of hit the right point there. Like, it's, um, excuse me, when um, when you actually look at, you know, how I've described the schooling system and the so-called education system and the definition of to uh, indoctrinate, which is, once again, to repeat an idea or belief to someone until they accept it without criticism or question, when you um, when you kind of juxtapose that to what you've just say what you've just said about people you know children not not learn have never learned to uh, utilize their own moral conscience they've never learned how to make their own how to use it how to use their own judgments how to um, solve problems on their own. They've they've only been taught to defer to authority. So whenever people eventually, so at at the start, it's going to be well. The, I I always have to defer to the parents, and uh, th then eventually you're going to go into school, and then it's going to be taken over by the teacher. So then now you have to defer to the teacher, and when you get and get out of school, then it's going to be like. Um, the police and a, a group of politicians. 
then you're always you're always going to defer to someone else and you you've never been you know you've never had the experience or the opportunity to actually learn to hone those skills to actually uh, develop, you know, develop yourself into actually becoming a true adult, if you will, and making, being responsible for any, for any action you take. Now it's always like, well, I don't want to, I don't know how to deal with this problem. Let authority handle this problem. Or I don't know what to do about that. Like, uh, you know, that, that's authority's problem. It's always someone else's problem. It's always authority's problem. <laughs> And eventually, you know, um, if people are trained their entire life to, you know, it's not because humanity doesn't have a moral a moral compass or doesn't have uh, a way of discerning right and wrong, be, uh, right behavior from wrong behavior. It's because they've been trained in their entire life to do the exact opposite of that. And that is not to utilize their own moral compass, not to utilize their own judgment, not to utilize their own free will and try to solve things in, on, based on their own, you know, like learning, like setting the learning environments, if you will, and trying to solve problems on your own and trying to figure things out. Humanity is, humans are perfectly capable of, of trying to figure things, uh, f- figure stuff out. And, when you sort of, um, you know, you, when you forcibly take that away from humanity by way of violence and coercion, that's that's going to create a, you know, like an irresponsible, infantile type of race, if you will. And once again, that doesn't mean that, oh, well, that's why we need a government. No, that's exactly why you shouldn't have one. <laughs> Because you're going to create that, because that's exactly what it's going to create. If you're going to tell people, well, people should always defer to some external authority figure. Well, people, that, that's how people are always going to be dependent on someone else and are never going to learn how to grow up and make, learn how to make their own decisions and learn how to make their own opinion and what, and whatever you know. Yeah. And that, that's a really good way to put it. Uh, growing up. You know, because that's what they really wanted me to do when I was young. And what they meant by growing up, from my point of view, was giving up that that young curiosity that I described in the beginning of continuing to ask why and wonder uh, why do we do things the way we do and why do we make the choices we make. And uh, I think we need to continue this discussion. We're getting close to the close for today. It's been an excellent conversation. We've covered epistemology, uh, the Socratic method, building a foundation of understanding of grammar on these words of good and evil. And I think what we're trying to do is offer listeners some tools for thinking and for conversation with others. And I'd like to continue this conversation, Alexander, if we can, on a future talk, because we we really need to get into um, the tools of understanding the self-defense principle and the non-aggression principle and how those apply to our decision making and, you know, the nature, the very nature of our of our um, humanness is kind of what we're getting into, too. And so many people think that our nature is evil and that's why we need to be governed. And I think there's more tools we can offer people so they can learn to fish rather than just giving them the fishing pole 
I mean, rather than just giving them the fish and saying, here's the answer, government is slavery, we're offering folks the tools to ask those questions themselves and, you know, see where they go with it, you know? Uh, just because I say all government is immoral, that doesn't mean I'm right, you know? Um, it means I'm saying something that I've found to be true and correct, but you, as a listener, need to find that on your own before you can really call it true and correct. You need to verify it in your own conscience, in your own will, and in your own questioning process. So any closing thoughts, Alexander? Um, thanks so much for coming today, and uh, go ahead. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, well, you said that, and actually you said that very, very neatly there. You know, like it's the point of, you know, making these videos and, you know, doing, you know, spreading the information isn't about convincing anyone of anything. You know, that's that shouldn't be the endeavor at all, you know, trying to convince people of something. I mean, like we've said before, you know, people already know that stealing is wrong. People already know that, you know, when you when you go, when you knock on your neighbor's door and you threaten him or her to uh, hand you a bunch of money or you're going to do violence unto them, you already know, no, that's that's not okay to do. So, well, I'm just trying to explain to people, well, then if, if it's not if it's wrong for you to do so, then it's wrong for anyone else to do so as well. Well, yeah, okay, that's that that makes sense. Well, it also means that if it, it's it's also wrong for so to to vote for someone else to do it for you, and you know trying to explain to people like there there is no exemption for morality in that sense regardless of what names you give it, regardless of what, what you scribble on a piece of paper, and um, regardless of whether a majority or wants it to be so. So it's kind of like trying to show people the void, like where is the logical foundation for what you believe? What, why, how, you know, <laughs> is it because you've been told something like that and you've just regurgitated it and you've just blindly uh, believed it or is it something that you've logically ascertained by way of uh, by way of like yeah a logical foundation if you will so yeah that's kind of like the basis of it like convincing people shouldn't be <laughs> shouldn't be the goal at all that's that's you know that's the that's the um, the exact opposite of what we should do if you will <laughs> that's oh, might, you know might makes right Right. That's exactly. where we got it from. These old silly <laughs> statements like that, that um, we can now certify for certifiably stamp as not true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so, thanks yeah. for um, wrapping it up. Um, I want people to check out your website, Real Eyes Station, right? Real, R-E-A-L, Eyes, E-Y-E-S-A-T-I-O-N.com, realization.com. And Thank I you so really much, appreciate yeah. that your work and how beautiful you've put together videos. You also have YouTube channel realization and, um, you know, Alexander gives you the tools to think about these things and question these things, go through your own process, ask yourself these questions, ask them with your friends and family and see where it goes and come back to us and give us your feelings. If you disagree, we'd be curious to hear what you have to say. Um, you can jump in the comments on alexander's videos or this one and or send us a message through our website realization.com or andevil.life you can find us 
And um, we'll continue this conversation. I'd like to have you on the show again, Alexander. Thanks. Thanks so much for coming and anything else you want to share. Um, feel free before I stop the recording. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me, Chris. It's uh, It's been an honor as usual, and uh, it's great to see you again as well. And uh, we'll definitely catch up next time. Fantastic. Wonderful. Thanks much.